1: The Bruce Exclusive, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram, at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. Hey, didn't I just talk to you? If you are coming here looking for information or commentary on the Dawson Knox extension, you are in the wrong place because... A few hours prior to this podcast going live, I dropped a different podcast, a Breaking Bruce podcast that will specifically discuss Dawson Knox and the extension and my thoughts on it. So we will not be discussing that today. What we will be trying to navigate together today is we're going to try and navigate our way around the fact, the immutable fact that I hate Thursday games. I hate all games that aren't Sunday at 1 p.m. because I'm old and I'm cranky and I want people to get off my lawn. And Sunday at 1 o'clock p.m. is the absolute perfect football time. I don't like primetime games, but I really don't like Thursdays. And the reason I don't like games that play on Thursdays is because my podcast drops on Thursdays. It's almost like they don't care. It's almost like the Buffalo Bills, the NFL, the schedule makers, they don't care about my podcast and I'll level with you. I am personally offended by this because everybody should care about what I think about it, for sure. I just, of course. But it's difficult to drop a podcast the day of knowing full well that there's plenty of people who don't listen to my show until Fridays or Saturdays. So how can I make a show that is functional as both a preview and a review. Hence the title of this podcast, The Preview Review. And what we're going to try and do is we're going to try and take topics that are going to be valuable to the Bills Mafia before the game and valuable to them after the game. So whether you're listening to this Thursday before the game or Saturday after a dominant Bills victory, or Saturday after a dominant Rams victory. Maybe Friday, running high, after a last-second field goal gives the Bills the victory, or Friday after you come out of your cocoon of sadness, after a last-minute field goal gives the Rams the victory. Whatever the case may be, I still want this podcast to be valuable. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about a couple things. And the first thing we're going to talk about is something that I got an idea from a while back from listening to a pastor, as I've told you before, I got a lot of ideas from listening to pastors talk. And the idea is this, there has to be a balance when you go into a game, when you go into a season between knowing what you're walking in with and knowing what you're walking in to, that's how you set proper expectations but how do you go about setting proper expectations? I think it's about finding a balance between awareness of what you're walking into and awareness of what you're walking in with. And knowing that the outcome of this particular game might or might not change your perspective on what you were walking into or what you were walking in with. Because the Bills feel like they're walking in with a Super Bowl caliber team. That's what they feel like they're walking in with. They're the odds-on favorite to take home their first Lombardi. And Josh Allen is the leading vote-getter in most NFL MVP tallies preseason. They bring back all of the key pieces of what was the league's top-ranked defense in 2021, minus an injured Tredavious White. But they added Von Miller to the pass rush, which a lot of people thought was the Bills' biggest weakness. Stephon Diggs signed an extension this offseason. The hype around Gabriel Davis is real. That's what you're walking in with. What you're walking into is a Super Bowl champion. The Los Angeles Rams team that, like the Bills, also returns all meaningful pieces from last year's regular season. Ironically enough, minus Odell Beckham, who also has an ACL tear, just like Bills corner Tredavious White. But they added Allen Robinson to ease the loss of Beckham and Robert Woods. They signed a future Hall of Fame linebacker and criminally underrated Bobby Wagner away from their division rival Seattle Seahawks. And they're hoping that Cam Akers can return to form after he's tore his Achilles in July of 2021 and missed the overwhelming majority of the 2021 season. So what could happen? against the Los Angeles Rams that would change either of those things? Anything? Would it change what you're walking into? No, I don't think so. The Rams have the overwhelming majority of their team back. Aaron Donald's still Aaron Donald. The biggest change is the Odell Beckham slash Robert Woods combination has been replaced by Allen Robinson. They added Bobby Wagner. For the Buffalo Bills, you can make an argument the biggest change isn't even on the field. It's in the booth. And that's Ken Dorsey. Of all the things that inject uncertainty into the game, that's probably the biggest one. Because you knew a lot about what you were going to see from the Buffalo Bills and Brian Dable. But Ken Dorsey's a little different. You know the terminology is going to be the same, but you don't know if the plays will be. You don't know if the personnel packages will be. That's probably the biggest difference between both teams when it comes to knowing who they are and what they do. What are you walking into? And what are you walking in with? I don't think either one of those things changes materially at all. No matter what happens in the game against the Los Angeles Rams because three games is a trend. We talked about that last year. Three games is a trend. It's an important game. I believe in measuring stick games. But at the very beginning of the season, measuring stick games don't measure much. Because the next time you have a measuring stick game could be an entire trend away from now. It could be three games, six games, nine games, 12 games, 15 games from now. If the Bills were to play the Rams again, it would be in the Super Bowl. And they wouldn't even be the same teams. Beating the same team multiple times in a year is not easy. Division rivals, it's really hard. And the Bills are markedly more talented than a lot of their division rival teams. They are not markedly more talented than the Los Angeles Rams. So yeah, I believe in measuring stick games. But I'm not sure I believe in a measuring stick game week one. Week one lies all the time in the NFL. All the time. The annals of history are littered with week one games that have lied to you. Because people change their perception of what you walked in with and what you walked into based on one game. And I don't think it means a thing. I think the Bills blow out the Rams. I don't think it means a lot. If the Bills get blown out by the Rams, I still don't think it means a lot. It's just that one game because three games is a trend, and week one is especially variable. What hasn't been variable this offseason is the national media praise for the 2022 version of what they think the Buffalo Bills can become. The NFL game day crew, Rich Eisen, Steve Mariucci, Kurt Warner, Michael Irvin, Cynthia Freeland, and Rachel benetta every single one of them took the Buffalo Bills as Super Bowl champions in their predictions. Every single one. It doesn't matter whether it was the Buccaneers, the Niners, the Rams, the Cowboys, the Packers. It was Bills as Super Bowl champions over that other team from the NFC every single time. Leaders have to evolve their motivational tactics. The whole nobody believes in us thing, it really doesn't work that much after a certain amount of time. If your crutch motivational tactic is they don't believe in us and you cannot pivot to motivate in the face of respect and expectations, you're not a good enough leader. And that applies to us as fans as well. If the only thing that can get your engine revving is anger at perceived disrespect, your engine isn't working the way it should. And if we recognize One game is just one game, even if it's a measuring stick game, because three games is a trend. And then after this game is over, you see people go, well, you know, maybe maybe the Bills weren't quite as good as we think. That's them overreacting. You don't have to overreact to them. You don't have to do that. Because you can't really get a lot more respect than every single person picking you to win the Super Bowl. Somebody commented to me and said, well, they were just jumping on the bandwagon. That doesn't matter. Oh, I'm sorry. So you wanted respect before you were good? Is that what you wanted? No, that's how it works. During the drought, the Bills were not a disrespected team because they were from Buffalo. They were a disrespected team because they were bad. And now the Bills are good. And now they get the respect that comes along with being good. You don't get the respect before you're good. That's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. I don't know if you've ever watched a video of a child taking their first steps, but you will essentially never get any praise in your entire life as enthusiastically as the person taking that video of that child has given to that child in that moment. That praise is as effusive as any praise ever. The expectations escalate from there. When the Bills made the playoffs in 2021, no one cheered and cried in the locker room because the expectations have been elevated. You don't get the applause the way you do for your first steps. In order to get that same level of praise in the future, you have to do something bigger. Just taking your 9,999th and 10,000th step are not good enough to get the level of praise that you got on that video when you were taking your first steps. Now you have to do something bigger. In order to get that same reaction that you got when the Buffalo Bills broke the drought, now you have to win a Lombardi. That's the way this works. Escalating talent brings escalating respect, escalating respect brings escalating expectations. And that's okay, that's fine. We can recognize the escalating expectations and also recognize that three games is a trend and also recognize it's a measureistic game. All those things can happen simultaneously. They seem, they feel like they're three mutually exclusive philosophies, but it's balancing the three of them that allows us to be in a good place. Come win or come loss. Knowing That what you're going into and what you're going in with probably didn't change. We are going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about on the field stuff I'm looking for. We're going to go through emails. Stick with me. We'll be right back. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning.
2: As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team.
1: Welcome back, everybody, and thank you for joining me for this edition of the Bruce Exclusive, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram, at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. My uncle told me that he was going to be listening to this show to see if I would pick the Eagles to win the Super Bowl. As I mentioned, a significant portion of my extended family are Eagles fans. So if you are listening to this, dear uncle, I am sorry that I did not make a Super Bowl prediction. But everybody at the NFL game day did, and they all picked the Bills. So I guess I'll just go with them. I mean, come on, they are the experts, right? So there is one thing above all else that I think is going to be a hinge point for the Buffalo Bills game against the Los Angeles Rams. And so if you're listening to this before the game, you can keep an eye out for it. If you were listening to this after the game, You can go back and look at it and see whether or not it ended up having a significant effect. And that is specifically the way the Buffalo Bills scheme and personnel deploy their coverages against the Los Angeles Rams. As mentioned before, Allen Robinson is taking the role of Robert Woods slash Odell Beckham for the Los Angeles Rams. And what you're going to see a lot of them doing is Cooper Cup. Is going to be part of a bunch formation on the front side of the offense, and Allen Robinson will be isolated as an X receiver on the back side of the offense. There's so many different variables to this. Number one, is it Dane Jackson and Christian Benford? Or is it Dane Jackson and Kyer Elam? If it's Kyir Elam and you're worried about maybe that long speed, are you playing Kair Elam over top of Allen Robinson? Are you going left-right? Or are you playing Dane Jackson on top of Allen Robinson? Because you're not worried about the deep speed. The Bills have been known to play a lot of two high coverages. Are you rolling a safety over top of Allen Robinson isolated on the backside? In which case you're two over one. And you're going to leave a little bit of opening on the front side for Cooper Cup. Or are you going to trust Dane Jackson or Kyrie Elam or Christian Benford one-on-one with Allen Robinson? Think Matthew Stafford might throw a couple jump balls. He's been known to do that. Look at the season that Kelly Galladay had with Matt Stafford and know that Allen Robinson is a markedly better player than Kenny Galladay. Is that what you're going to do? Because if that's the case, then you're going to be subjected to some Cooper Cup issues on the front side because scheming him open on the front side in bunch is a lot easier than scheming him open on the backside as an isolated X. It's so one of the reasons why Allen Robinson is so important to this offense is because if he makes you play a safety over top, you have a numbers advantage as an offense on the front side over where the, you know, most productive receiver in football lives there on the front side. I think it's going to be absolutely fascinating. It's the number one thing that I'm looking for and Unless the narrative goes in a completely different direction, it's probably the number one thing I'm going to be looking back on. If the Bills are able to stifle the Rams, I'll look back to that. If they're not able to stifle the Rams, I'll probably still look back to that because the Bills coming in with Dane Jackson and a rookie of some sort is a huge conversation piece against a high-powered offense with a franchise quarterback and two very, very good receivers, one of whom has a bone to pick with the league, and that's Allen Robinson. He thinks he's still the dude. I'm inclined to agree with him. I still think he's the dude. I think he's in a perfect system, in a perfect role, with a perfect quarterback when it comes to his particular skill set. I think he's going to blow up this year. The question is, does he blow up against the Bills? And if he does... Is it because they elected not to roll that safety over top? That is the thing on the field that I am looking forward to and will be looking back upon. Let's go to some emails. Brandon sent me an email. He says, hey, Bruce, I'm more of a casual college football fan, but I won't let that stop me from having strong and probably wrong opinions. In light of that, and the fact that you're a much stronger college football fan than I am, I was wondering what your thoughts are on the new 12-team playoff, which is rumored to include auto-bids for major conferences. Personally, I see this as a money grab, not in the interest of the quality of the game. There are rarely more than a couple of great teams each season, which is why even in a 14 team playoff, most of the first-round games are won by more than two scores. Additionally, giving certain conferences automatic bids, will result in cases where inferior teams take up a spot solely because of the conference they're in, further diluting the pool. I've long thought that the optimal format would be a 16 playoff with no auto-bids. The two best teams were rewarded with buys while creating a more competitive first-round game without including a bunch of teams that have no real shot at winning the championship. Would love to have thoughts of a more diehard fan. Thanks, Brandon. Brandon, I appreciate your point of view. One of the things that I really care about when it comes to college football is the playoff structure. And the reason I care about it so much is because there has to be a balance between making sure that the regular season matters because college football regular season might matter more than any regular season in any sport. And we like it that way. We really like it that way. Supply and demand is more of a thing in college football than it is in any other major sport because of how few the games are. So for me, 12 teams is too much. I agree with you because I have never once looked at the 12th best team in college football and thought they had a reasonable chance of winning a national championship if consistently placed up against elite teams. I'll never forget the same uncle that I threw a shout out to earlier this episode. He and I, I remember had a conversation the year that Hawaii and Georgia played in a bowl game and Hawaii was undefeated. And I was like, man, Hawaii is going to get obliterated. He's like, they're undefeated. You know, they, sh- they should be playing for a national championship. I was like, come on, you're ridiculous. They're going to get obliterated by Georgia because who you play matters. And Hawaii got obliterated by Georgia. I've never once seen the 12th best team and gone, yeah, okay. I think they can win a national title. So I agree with you that 12 is too many. I do think that winning your conference is a big deal. And if winning your conference is a big deal, then that helps offset any of the negatives that you get from lessening the regular season value. So I do like auto bids for the top five. I think if you had the Power Five conferences, each get an auto bid, you had two at-large bids, and the number one seed got a buy. You'd have six remaining teams, so it'd be a 17 playoff. I think that that's Valuable. It's very similar to what the NFL playoffs do. That number one seed becomes very important, which again sets the regular season up as being really important. Winning your conference is still really important, which gets preserved some of those rivalries, but it's very close to your idea. Mine's seven teams and one buy. Yours is six teams and two byes. But I do like the auto bids. I like the auto bids because I think it pushes people toward joining Power Five conferences if they can do it. And I think that that helps too. Consolidation, I think, is a good thing. So I agree with you that it's absolutely a money grab. It 100% is. I don't think that anyone has ever seen the NCAA do anything and not thought it was a money grab. So I'm 100% with you. I do think that 12 teams is too many. I would personally like to see seven teams, auto bid for winning your conference, two at-larges, Number one seed gets a buy. Yeah, I'm all I'm all the way on on that. So that's my opinion. I don't think you and I are far off at all. Evan says, let me preface this by mentioning I just saw the letter from Von Miller. For those of you who have not seen that, make sure to go to the Buffalo Bills website. You can see the letter from Von Miller to Bills Mafia. Evan says this is going to be a team of destiny. After everything Buffalo and the organization's players have been through, this is going to be a historic season. They're going to win everything while losing two or three games they probably shouldn't. But come playoffs, they're going to go on a warpath. They're going to blow out everybody. 14-3 or 15-2 regular season. Josh is the first MVP and Super Bowl MVP since Kurt Warner. Either Cook, Elim, or Shakir are rookies of the year. Someone on the defense and offense gets votes for player of the year and they win the first of many Lombardies. That being said, if this doesn't work out, I'm still going to enjoy the process. I'm going into my fourth season as a listener of your shows, and you've helped me a lot, both balancing my fandom and emotions in regards to reactions and wins and losses. So for that, I thank you. If the Bills don't win a Super Bowl or even just completely collapse, I'll turn off my TV, say, well, that wasn't great. Go about life and tune in the next Thursday to hear your breakdown of what happened and why they should draft a defensive back in the first round of 2023. And to remind us all that the how and why are more important than the what. So to you, Mrs. Nolan, and the very good doggos, thank you for everything. Evan, thank you for your email. I appreciate that. As we start our fourth season together, I cannot fathom the idea that it's been four years. I, I can't wrap my head around it. In my head... I'm still the guy who's trying to figure out how to be a good co-host. I'm still the guy who had 24 listeners to my first couple of shows. In my head, I'm still going to be that guy. And I think that that's good. I think it allows me to never lose sight of what a blessing this is. I was reflecting not too long ago on my real job that I have. And I actually ended up meeting my previous co-host through a mutual connection because of my job. And if I hadn't taken that job, I never would have met him. And if I never met him, I wouldn't have been doing this podcast. And there's a trickle effect that kind of runs through my life when I think about things like that. And as I start my fourth season here, I start to find myself more and more in a position of gratitude for you, and for taking the time to listen to my show, and for engaging, and for commenting, and no matter what happens, I just want you to know that it's been a blessing, it's been an honor, and I will continue to do my best to craft good, unique, intellectually honest, and thought-provoking content every single week for as long as I can. At some point, I won't be able to anymore. But until then, that's the way the cookie crumbles. I'm Bruce Nolan, Buffalo Runners.